Hello and welcome to a new episode of our Your Health podcast. My name is Jan Klusacek and our guest today is Teodora Kalinescu, Project Manager uh, at the European Transport Safety Council. Welcome. Hi, thanks a lot for the invitation. Very happy to be here. Uh, could we start with a few words about yourself, uh, about your background and uh, uh, about your organization? Sure. Well, I I would start with a few words about my, my organization, uh, the European Transport Safety Council. Um, whose main objective is to have less people killed and seriously injured on the roads. We are a Brussels-based non-profit organization um, who for the past 30 years has been uh, promoting effective road safety measures uh, based on international research and good practice. Um, what we do is we, we offer a source of impartial expert advice on road safety matters to, to the EU institutions, to member states, um, so a lot of our work is policy work, but we also run a few projects on different road safety topics. Uh, we also have a network of 50 member organizations throughout Europe, um, including the Czech Research uh, Transport Research Center. We work with over 200 experts on different topics of road safety, and uh, we are fully independent um, by having a variety of uh, funding sources. Personally, I am a project manager with ETSC. I've been there for the past six years. For the last three years, I was coordinating a large EU-funded project on best practice exchange. Great. And uh, so uh, what are the, I would say, the statistics uh, in the recent uh, recent years uh, on uh, on road death? Uh, well, I understand that uh, probably those statistics were, were significantly influenced by, by COVID, by less transport, a lot of home office, etc. So people are probably uh, less traveling. So uh, that could uh, that could help a bit with the with the uh, death count. But um, uh, are we uh, are we successful in uh, in attempts to to decrease? Uh, death on uh, on road. Well, last year alone, we had around nineteen thousand nine hundred people killed on on new roads, and we had around one hundred and twenty thousand seriously injured. Uh, that's an average of forty five road deaths per per million inhabitants. Uh, an average that that obviously masks a lot of differences between the the countries. So I wouldn't really call it a success story, yeah, with with these figures in mind, but. Uh, if we are to compare um, to the rest of the world, then, then sure, Europe's roads are the safest and they have been improving uh, over the past 20 years. You are very right, the, the last two years saw um, an extraordinary reduction in the number of road deaths. But unfortunately, it was not due to, to an effective set of measures, road safety measures, but it was rather the, the consequence of the traffic restrictions imposed by, by the pandemic. Um, and sadly, the, the governments did not do enough to, to maintain this positive trend. So what we are seeing now is uh, the numbers going rapidly back to, to the pre-pandemic levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it has something to do even with uh, with the economic situation because, uh, uh, as I believe, uh, death uh, on uh, on the road are uh, closely connected to uh, to the age uh, of uh, of cars uh, on the on the road as well because newer cars are are generally safer, equipped with all those uh, fancy features and uh, AI stuff etc. Et uh, and uh, when people uh, are economically struggling, they cannot afford newer cars, and then they use uh, their Old old cars are less safe, and uh, uh, which is which is generally less um, uh, much more risky. Is it? It's 
It's true, of course, it's it's a, a correct argument. But when we talk about road collision, there are always a, a multitude of mm-hmm. factors mm-hmm. that determine uh, whether a road collision will take place or not. Um, vehicle is one of them. Mm-hmm. But of course, we also talk about the road environment, the road infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about driver behavior and all the, the risky uh, behaviors associated, such as speeding, drink and drug driving, uh, distraction, well, very very popular nowadays, behind the wheel, uh, not wearing restraints, and, and so on. Mm-hmm. In what regards vehicle safety, because you you mentioned older cars uh, being less safe, mm-hmm. which is which is correct. We also see the opposite trend. So mm-hmm. we actually see new cars being fitted with more and more safety technologies that uh, that do protect both the um, the users inside the car and more and more the ones outside the car. Um, recently, the the EU, back in July, in fact, uh, the EU, um, EU di- uh, general safety regulation came into force, and this mandated uh, a list of 19 safety technologies on all uh, new cars in the EU, which we think it will make a, a big difference in the coming years. There are huge differences between various EU countries uh, when speaking about uh, the road safety. Uh, and it's not obviously only uh, related to uh, the the age of vehicles. Uh, we know that in Czech Republic we have one of the uh, oldest uh, car park in in EU. But uh, but uh, could you maybe in a bit more detail describe the other other factors that cause why it's, it's so different to drive uh, uh, with uh, with the hope uh, of um, living through the, <laughs> the road uh, in, in in various countries? So what is so behind may, the differences? Well, yeah, maybe or? maybe if you can just uh, throw in some 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 of the some of the reasons because uh, uh, there are some that are rather obvious, but on the other side there are some that. Uh, um, at least for me, as a as a uh, just a general population, uh, are counterintuitive. You know, for for example, in in Czech Republic, we have uh, zero tolerance to to alcohol, uh, and uh, bravo for that. Sorry, <laughs> bravo for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yet still there are quite a few people who do not uh, respect that. On the other side, uh, in uh, many other, uh, let's say, Western European countries, the, the, there is uh, there is some level of tolerance. In in UK, even if it's not uh, in EU anymore, it, it it's uh, point uh, point eight, which is quite uh, quite a lot of uh, beer that could be drunk before driving uh, and actually driving on the wrong side of the road. So uh, that's uh, that's another point. But well, yes. maybe we could. Yes. Uh, well, there were a few questions <laughs> yeah, in there, but yeah. but uh, I'll try to to touch on 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 the different points. Right. So as as you mentioned and as as we said before, the differences between countries are are enormous. We we have a, dif- a factor of four between the the best and the worst performance in the EU. We have one one and uh, countries such as Sweden, Denmark, uh, the Nordics in general doing very well, having around twenty roads per per million inhabitants. While at the other end, countries such as Romania and Bulgaria have uh, ninety two uh, and eighty one respectively roads per million inhabitants. Um, there are many reasons that can explain these differences. Um, I think although road collisions are generally uh, caused by, by the same set of factors, uh, the ones I mentioned before, infrastructure, vehicle, driver behavior, all the risky behaviors associated, I think the difference comes from, from how the countries are dealing 
with these issues and the measures they put in place to to protect road users. Um, we see uh, different in um, in the way the countries approach road uh, road collisions. Uh, we have countries with a long road safety tradition, such as Sweden, such as the Netherlands, who um, adopted early on the safe system approach. Uh, this uh, and and actually this is uh, this is um, something that I, I I meant to tell you because while researching this podcast a bit, I, yeah. I watched a, a couple of episodes okay. and I saw that you were talking about harm reduction strategies. Yeah. Yeah? Yes. And I, I That's a huge, huge topic here, but yeah. uh, I consider that as a part of harm reduction because, uh, uh, well, uh, road deaths are um, are pandemics of its own, right? Exactly. So the the parallel, the similarities I was seeing be, between the system approach and the harm reduction strategies is is that uh, the system safe system approach also accepts that humans will inevitably make mistakes. Yeah, and at some point they will make decisions um, that will lead to either a road collision or to injuries. But these human mistakes should not cause them their lives or should not have severe consequences. So what the safe system approach does is uh, builds a system that will protect the user uh, despite the mistakes that that he uh, may do. Yeah, so we, we build safer roads, we build safer cars, we make uh, speeds safer. So that in case uh, a collision happens, it will not have the worst consequences. So I think this is where the difference in in the statistics comes from as well. The way governments are uh, are approaching uh, road collisions and the measures they put in place. Maybe you could uh, just uh, provide us, you mentioned the best practice, so maybe you could provide us what are the most important recommendations from the from the best practice that should uh, uh, countries uh, like Czech Republic, which is, uh, which is, let's say, on the higher level of, um, uh, of uh, road death, uh, well, w- w- what, we, we, what we could adopt, uh, what we could implement uh, from, the, from the best uh, countries uh, in the EU? Uh, there are many good practice examples. Of course, uh, it depends uh, what area of road safety we're talking. Um, speed management, for example, uh, um, good automated uh, speed management system uh, can be found in France. And uh, actually, as part of the project that I was coordinating, the Best Practice Exchange Project, we we took some um, national authorities uh, there to the um, to the management center and see their operation. Um, a good practice in its own is the safe system approach that I mentioned, and and Sweden is renowned for this, and I think they have a lot of good things to, to export to the other countries. Um, also talking about enforcement, one good practice that, uh, that we saw on the ground uh, with the project was um, the latest advancement in road enforcement, uh, meaning automated uh, cameras that use artificial intelligence to detect um, handheld mobile use behind the wheel because as i said this is this is one growing issue yeah the the use of mobile behind the wheel mm-hmm. 
That that's very interesting. Uh, okay, let me uh, ask you on uh, three specific uh, questions that uh, uh, I'm always interested in relation to to road safety. As someone who drives about fifty uh, thousand kilometers uh, a year, so mm, um, no. I have <laughs> my own my own experience on that. Well, the the question number one is uh, German autobahn unlimited uh, unlimited speed. Uh, do you think, or does uh, your statistics uh, somehow say that? That it's uh, less uh, less safe, uh, or significantly less safe than uh, let's say 130, as it is in Czech Republic. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, the sections of motorways with no speed limits are uh, relatively more dangerous than the ones with with uh, speed limits, and it has been a, a long-lasting recommendation of ETSC. Mm-hmm to Germany, to the German government, to, to introduce speed limits on, on all uh, motorway sections. Okay. So maybe uh, somehow uh, it will be maybe more co- caused by the, the climate uh, change uh, uh, issues. But uh, Whatever the, argument whatever, works whatever, for, for reducing speeds, yeah. yes. The, yes this has been done in the Netherlands already, yeah. um, mm-hmm. putting down speed limits on motorways mm-hmm. for uh, their uh, climate impact mm-hmm. and energy safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the uh, the current trend of uh, everything on a touch screen that uh, you, you need to adjust uh, temperature and uh, heating of uh, of your seats and everything just on a touch screen? My own experience is that uh, you spend much uh, longer time uh, watching at the touch screen than you can just blindly turn uh, a knob and uh, set it uh, as you wish. Yeah, indeed. I, I mentioned the mobile use behind the wheel, but it's true that uh, this sort of touch screens are, are equally as distracting, if not more, because as you said, you, you spend more time not looking at the road. Um, it's it's worrying, of course. Um, and I think this is why it's also very important um, that drivers are trained Uh, for the new technologies as well that are being uh, installed on cars, mm-hmm. not only uh, entertainment-wise, yes, but also the, the safety technologies, all the other technologies uh, should be uh, very familiar yeah. to the to the user, so they don't um, spend time get distracted by by trying to to set things up. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should be part of. Uh Uh, driving school curriculum as well as to just uh, know what uh, what uh, what works and how it works. In, indeed, and it's it's actually now in the works. Mm-hmm. So at the EU level, the um, driving di- uh, driving license directive is being revised mm-hmm. under the Czech presidency. So one of the the issues that they are uh, considering in the uh, in the revised directive is updating the the curricula for. Uh, driver education to to include training on these uh, new technologies. Okay. And the third thing is uh, maybe a bit uh, controversial, but uh, uh, it's uh, in relation to all those new autopilot self-driving, uh, so-called uh, self-driving cars, uh, which are not technically obviously self-driving they uh, they still require some level of attention that uh, uh, you must uh, watch the road and uh, keep your hands on the on the steering wheel but once you do not need uh, uh, that level of um, of involvement in, in the driving my own experience is uh, that uh, you tend to, to let's say a bit slip so you, you, 
when you need to do everything manually, uh, you really concentrate on the driving. Once you uh, the, the car drives uh, pretty much itself on a, on a straight uh, motorway, Uh, you are a bit more, um, I would say, motivated to look at your phone or uh, or uh, eat or do something that uh, distracts you. So, don't you think that uh, all those new technologies actually, uh, in uh, in to to certain uh, level, uh, decrease uh, the safety because they de- decrease the attention of the driver that he puts uh, on the driving itself. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, there of course there is a lot of over reliance on 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 systems and. This is indeed a topic of concern for us at ETSC, um, the semi-automated uh, vehicles and uh, the fact that indeed, as I said, people over-rely on their uh, capacity to, to drive for, for yeah. them. Yeah? Uh, and uh, cars are at the moment at a very dangerous level, this, this semi-automation, where you have the impression that the car is capable of doing much more than, than it, it actually can. Um, it's it's dangerous, and we believe that we are really quite far yet from from having automated, fully automated vehicles on our roads. And before having them, uh, we really need strong regulations. Mm-hmm. We really need to set the cre- clear rules for for their use, yeah. Because otherwise, and it's already it's already noticed that they are causing other issues. Yes, the interactions between. Uh, Uh, vehicles and and uh, the ones outside. It's hmm. interesting. Uh, so uh, let's uh, move a bit to the institutional level and uh, organizational level. Um, what are uh, oh maybe do various organizations like European Commission, uh, World Health Organization, many other stakeholders, uh, do they work together in preventing uh, road death or is it uh, uh, everybody playing on on his own field and not uh, really working uh, in cooperation? Um, I'm not sure about the the institutional cooperation. I But if we talk about cross-sectoral cooperation, um, indeed it's, it's limited. It's it's much less than we would like to see and uh, much less than we think would be beneficial for, for road safety. Um, there are, of course, examples when wh- where the, the road safety world uh, joins the, the health yeah. uh, professionals in order to improve road safety. Um, maybe I can give you an example of that. Um, so, for example, we have the alcohol interlock programs in, in some countries that are of course, dealing with drink driving, with prevention of drink driving. And these programs are always coupled with rehabilitation programs. So then we have health professionals, um, especially psychologists, mm-hmm. working with road users to to keep them from uh, having risky behaviors on the road. Mm-hmm. We also have cooperation between the sectors when it comes to serious data collection. Again, in some countries, unfortunately, it's not the norm. Uh, but in some countries, because road uh, serious injuries are often underreported, um, using only police data, we have then uh, health professional hospital data coming to complement this image and, and giving a more clear image. But uh, these are uh, specific um, cooperation and not institutional mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And may, uh, we could uh, be step back on the on the topic of uh, drug use and alcohol use in relation to uh, to driving. Uh, 
what could be actually done to uh, decrease, you mentioned this program, and but uh, in general, what uh, could countries uh, adopt, uh, what measures could adopt uh, in trying to battle this um, uh, this uh, uh, dangerous, uh, dangerous habit? Because I believe that everybody, everybody who sits behind the, the steering wheel knows that it's dangerous. Pretty much everybody older than I don't know six years knows that it's uh, it's dangerous and it shouldn't be done if you're drunk. Do, uh, drunk, do not drive. Yet still, people die every day. Yes, you're you're right on that, and the science is also very clear on the exponential risk uh, of driving after having. Um, after being intoxicated, be it with uh, alcohol, be it with drugs, or the combination of both, as it is the case in many instances. Um, you mentioned earlier the BAC limits in, in some countries being uh, higher. Uh, well, we know, science has shown that a BAC, a blood alcohol concentration limit of between 0.5 and 0.8 grams per liter, increases the risk of being in a fatal collision 20 times. Hmm. So, <laughs> so then those policies are a yeah. bit hard to, to justify. And um, there are some uh, driver categories that are particularly at risk. And we are talking about uh, young male drivers who not only have a higher risk of collision when they're sober, but this risk increases even more um, after they, they consumed alcohol or drugs compared to their elderly, more experienced drivers. So that's why many countries have moved towards zero tolerance for young drivers. Uh, When we talk about measures, again, we talk about a set of measures. Um, I would mention first enforcement, uh, including um, random roadside alcohol breath testing, which is really essential for um, drivers' perception of of being uh, caught and punished if they... um, go behind the wheel after after drinking. Um, one of ETSC's recommendation is this intensifying enforcement by also setting um, annual targets for um, random checks uh, and uh, couple them with intensive publicity activities. So we want the people to know that the police is there, that they're on the road, and if you if you drive, you will be caught. So this, this would be one measure, enforcement. Then you would have um, zero tolerance policy that we, we mentioned. So setting a BAC limit of no more than 0.2 grams per liter for all road users. Czech Republic is one of the nine countries that are already um, using this lim- those limits. Yeah. Then the, the measure of the alcohol interlock programs. Yeah. Um, this has proven to be an effective and cost-beneficial measure. Um, which also has a lot of positive social impact, yeah, because the the drivers who were caught um, drink and driving um, repeatedly or um, or with a high value initially uh, will get to keep their driving license and uh, keep driving um, while they're sober. So the the way it works for for those who who don't know, there's an ignition uh, device, alcohol ignition device, that only allows the um, car engine to start after a breath test has been completed and show that you are sober. Um, this coupled with, with rehabilitation programs really cuts reoffending rates. And it's a program already used in, in several countries, in, in Austria, in Belgium, in France, Finland, Sweden. So um, countries have already understood the benefits of, of such programs. Um. Twelve years ago, Volvo adopted his zero uh, uh, death strategy. Um, 
they didn't really succeed, let's be frank about that, but uh, they, they now postponed it to another t- 10 years. Uh, but um, uh, So how do you think will uh, road safety look like in 2030? Will we achieve a significant decrease in, uh, in death on the road? Well, I think uh, despite the, the result you mentioned, it's, it's essential to, to adopt Vision Zero mm-hmm. as our driving force. Yeah, even if uh, maybe this uh, this target is not uh, achievable in the next 10 years, it's important that that we we aim towards uh, achieving zero fatalities. There is no other uh, ethical goal to have. So all the measures need to work towards having zero road deaths and serious injuries. And of course, it's it's not easy, but um, I think it's manageable as long as um, we have the forces of infrastructure, vehicle speeds that will lead to crash energy levels that the human body can tolerate. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And, and of course, these measures need a lot of political will. They need um, strategic planning. They need cooperation between the, the various sectors, um, accountability, and, of course, investments. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do actually voters uh, accept that vision? Do uh, accept that uh, uh, they will need to uh, change the way how they behave on the on the roads in order to uh, not achieve, but at least get a bit closer to this vision? Who is that? Uh, do voters? Voters. Uh, yeah. Voters. Voters, yeah. you mean people. General public. General people. public. Um, I don't think that you, you will ever meet a person who would willingly accept that maybe a member of his family uh, gets killed in a, in a road collision, yeah? Um, so I... Yeah, but many yeah. people just feel like, well, it doesn't really con- concern me. That's a, a distant uh, thing. Maybe I know someone vaguely who got hurt, but uh, but it, it cannot happen to me. I drive really safely and no problem with that. Right? Yeah, but you, you, know, you know that in reality <laughs> yeah, yeah, it in affects reality, all of us. Yeah. And um, and it, it affects uh, whole countries economically. It, it has huge. It, it has a huge impact. economic impact as well, besides the the human tragic loss. Yeah, and I think it's uh, the voters, as you say, the the general public would be even more on board with with all the measures if the risks are are a bit better explained. Yeah, and uh, the politicians make uh, a case of actually um, taking responsibility yeah, to propose stricter measures and then uh, see the results in maybe five to ten years. Yeah, We, we need this kind of uh, leadership because once people see the benefits of stronger measures, they see that we have less people killed, we have less people seriously injured, suffering from this, then, uh, of course, they, they, they get on board. And also, I think there is a, a major, um, a silent majority in favor of stronger road safety measures. It's usually, it's usually a loud minority that says, no, 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 no uh, speed cameras, no okay. controls. Okay. Well, I love to uh, end uh, the podcast on something positive, and uh, I guess uh, it would be hard to find anything more positive than your last statement. So thank you so much for your time. It was great having you here. Thank, thank you. you very much. It was very nice being here.